Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and we're back with you after being off for a week. Uh, we uh, This is Monday, of course, the day of the week that we read back messages that you've sent into the show. Our contact address is contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. We always say that at the end of episodes, but I don't know if people are tuning out at the last moments and sometimes they miss the address. So if you want to get in touch and you've never made it that far in an episode before, it is contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Uh, Rob, do you mind if I kick things off here with this message from Emily? Yeah, go for it. All right, this is about our episodes called, what were they called in the end? The Beast Wore an Apron or something like that? I believe something about. to that effect, yeah. We had a yeah. number of clever titles uh, lined up. Uh, and, and, <laughs> uh, clever and medium clever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, But the, these are all about animals cooking, not necessarily with heat, but preparing meals in one way or another. And so Emily writes in with a, with a message, subject line, potatoes. And the context of this message in particular is that we talked about a study looking into the question of whether apes like chimpanzees tend to prefer cooked or raw versions of the same food. And the study found in most cases they liked the cooked foods better. And the examples would be things like carrots, sweet potatoes, and beef. But with a few exceptions, including the seemingly bizarre fact that on average, chimpanzees and other apes didn't much have a preference between raw and cooked white potatoes. 
So like, oh yeah, I'll take my carrots cooked and my russet potato raw, definitely. Or at least uh, with the potato. Don't care if it's cooked or raw. Anyway, on to Emily's message. Emily says, Hi Robin Joe, long time listener here. Always enjoy the fun and weird science you talk about. Just finished listening to the first part of The Beast Wore an Apron uh, and was reminded of a practice of mine as a kid. Regarding raw versus cooked potatoes, when I was growing up, I would sneak a raw potato slice as my mom was peeling and preparing them for cooking. She never scolded me for the practice, and frequently these were potatoes we'd grown in our own garden, which felt safe somehow. My husband did the same as a kid and will still sneak a raw potato piece when we prepare dinner. Wow, that is a true MFEO discovery there. That is a rare matchup. Uh, anyway, Emily says, For me, I loved the earthy taste before cooking. Weird, but delicious. Thanks again, and keep up the good work, Emily. Well, that's interesting. You know, now that that Emily has shared this story, I have to say it does sort of um, spark some vague childhood memory. Like maybe I, maybe like I remember the like the crinkle cutter for the fries that my mom would use, mm. and I might I might have like a memory of, of having like a, a crinkle cut fry that had not been cut yet, uh, and yeah, but it's it's very faint. You know, I had a general impression, and this may be based in no fact whatsoever, but a general impression that eating raw potatoes was somehow unsafe. Uh, Emily mm. has the note about they came from the garden at home, so somehow it seemed safe, and I guess that's juxtaposed with an impression that they would be unsafe if they came from the grocery store. I don't know if that would actually make any difference whatsoever, but uh, I, I don't know. That was my feeling, but now that I think about it, I don't know why I think that. Maybe that's not true. So I'm not making a comment one way or another about that. If you're, in, if you're thinking about eating raw potatoes, look it up for yourself. I have not mm -hmm. researched this subject. Yeah, my son will come up and, and ask to try things when I'm cooking, and uh, if he asks about the potato, I've always just been like, oh, you don't want to eat raw potato. But if he's asking about the carrot, I'll definitely give him some of the carrot, especially if I have to use the mandolin on the carrots, mm -hmm. and I get really nervous uh, using the mandolin the closer it gets to my knuckles. So, you know, Ooh. I'll generally stop with like an inch or more of carrot left, and I'll be like, who wants this? And he'll take it. Do you not have one of those guards? It has no guard, no. It's just... Uh, Oh, okay. It's just get as close to your knuckles as as you, as you dare. Uh, so I should look <laughs> into this if there's a model with a uh, with a guard of some sort. You got the Wild West mandolin. Yeah, but now I'm excited to hear that there's something safer out there. I, I've been thinking there's got to be a better way, and, and lo and behold, it sounds like there's a better way. All right, uh, here's another bit of listener mail. This comes to us from... Uh, Lurch GS, uh, Lurch GS writes, good morning, gentlemen. As usual, I'm listening to your show as I drive down the road. In the portion of the reference episode where you're talking about the Japanese macaque, you point out the rather overwhelming tendencies for new learned behaviors to be from older to younger members of the group. At my age, I like to think of this as top-down dissemination. I'm sure others have pointed out the exception in the human world. I find it glaringly obvious the cell phone. <laughs> Initially catching on with young professionals, which I was at the time, deep in the early throes of high-speed internet IT, and eventually became nearly ubiquitous. It's reached the point where there are phones and services designed specially for people with more life experience. The same trends apply to home computers and internet access, though possibly to a lesser extent. I admit I find these of particular interest because I watched it happen. Best regard from the road, Lurch GS. 
I am at the age where I've started to note with horror that I'm becoming the older person who doesn't get some new piece of technology that, uh, you, you know, like I'm, I'm the object of pity for my younger <laughs> self. Uh, because like, I used to always be the person who, yeah, I understand what's going on with this new piece of software or this new app everybody's using or something. And, and I, and I sort of pitied the older folks who, who seemed bewildered by them. But now I'm in this, I, I don't even know what all the Snapchats and TikToks, uh, uh, it's, it's a horrible transition to, to watch within yourself. Now you are becoming the beast master wandering the streets right. of, uh, of LA. Yeah. But anyway, yes, totally. And I, you know, I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I bet it's probably a common pattern for cultural innovation across both humans and other animal species that have, you know, uh, complex enough behaviors and, and learning that you can say they have something analogous to culture uh, for cultural innovation to go something like this. So, so a new behavior starts when younger individuals with more plastic brains invent it and take it up. And then that behavior slowly spreads to older individuals, both by mimetic uptake, so older individuals copying the younger ones who invented it, and also by the original innovating generation just aging up, getting older. And then when new generations are born, the very young learn the new behavior from the older ones by copying. Though, of course, all this is going to depend on the exact social structures of a given species, because you, know, you, you do hear about... Um... Uh, species where you have individuals that that innovate something, but then due to the way they're um, uh, they pass things on, or in some cases don't pass things on, that particular practice will be lost. Like I, yeah. I believe this was the case with uh, some cheetahs that uh, had learned uh, how to effectively take down ostriches. I believe. Hmm. Yes, if memory serves, this was this was uh, on uh, uh, BBC's uh, Life documentary. It was like three cheetahs that I believe were brothers uh, that had learned a, a, an innovative strategy to help take down an ostrich, which, you know, you might not think much of ostriches, but they're huge and they're, they're risky prey. Mm -hmm. uh, a cheetah, uh, certainly an individual cheetah, risks a lot in trying to bring that animal down. And uh, if memory serves, one of the take-homes from it too was that, okay, we have these three male cheetahs who have learned how to do this behavior, but male cheetahs don't pass on anything. Uh, so this particular innovation is going to be lost when they die. Interesting. They can learn, but they learn alone. They learn, but they can't really share. And when you contrast that with the particular skills of the human species, I mean, it seems like one thing that's true about us is uh, we don't we don't really lose learned behaviors nearly as much as other animals do, right? I mean, like once yeah. we learn a better way to do something, there's a very good chance it will be shared and preserved. Yeah, Th this would be a fun topic to come back to, though, and discuss like culture in in animals, because uh, I know there's some wonderful examples to look at, particularly with orcas. Yeah. Okay, this next message comes from Anna. This is about our Days of the Week episodes. Uh, Anna says, Hello, Robert, Joe, and Seth. I uh, enjoyed your recent episode on Days of the Week. When you were talking about what day of the week people like best, remember there's some studies about this. Huge surprise. People really like Fridays. Um, Anna says, I had the song Friday on my mind by the Easy Beats in my head. The Easy Beats are what some people call Australia's answer to the Beatles. Anyway, huh. the song Friday on my mind is very catchy. 
I think by now someone must have done a study about songs about days of the week. I'm sure it would be pretty easy to compile a list of the top ten songs that have a day of the week in their title and then work out which day of the week has the most songs. I wonder if it changes (laughs) through different years or decades. At more optimistic times, are there more songs about Fridays? At more cynical or difficult times, are there more songs about Mondays, such as the songs I Hate Mondays or Manic Monday? But maybe during difficult times, people are inspired to write more optimistic songs, like how some of the best comedy comes from difficult times. Anyway, thanks for the thought-provoking content, Anna. Well, thanks, Anna. I did look up this song. I enjoyed it. I don't know how much it sounds like the Beatles. I mean, I guess kind of it has, you know, it has the general uh, British invasion sound. Uh, But also, I found the lyrics and I thought they were so funny because it's... Let me read part of the first verse. It goes, Monday morning feels so bad. Everybody seems to nag me. Coming Tuesday, I feel better. Even my old man looks good. Okay. (laughs) I love this idea, though, of chronicling songs uh, that refer to specific days of the week. I I feel like 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 the challenge has been has been uh, um, uh, has been given that uh, I need to put together a playlist. Uh, that we all should put together a playlist. Like pick pick your favorite song that references uh, each day of the week and see what the results look like. Would survey data bear out that in general by Wednesday, everybody's old man looks good? <laughs> I don't know. I was struggling to come up with some Wednesday songs off the top of my head. I was just pulling up a list and I'm like, okay, Simon and Garfunkel apparently have a Wednesday song. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a Tori Amos Wednesday song, but most of these I'm not familiar with. This is also a good counterpoint to that uh, that song by The Cure we ended up riffing about <laughs> extensively in those uh, episodes. Tuesday's fine and Wednesday too. Tuesday's one, great yeah. and Wednesday too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Tuesday's great. Even my old man looks good. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. 
brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Let's see here. Uh, Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Do you want to move on to this uh, message about the three-pupiled eye? Sure. This one comes to us from Christopher. Christopher writes, Hey guys, I just finished your latest episode on multiple irises in eyes. When you guys were listing out pop cultural references at the end, uh, it reminded me of my old roommate from about a decade ago who was really into the anime um, Naruto. I'm not familiar enough with the show to completely track how it worked in the narrative, but some of the characters when doing something with ninja powers seem to achieve different multi-iris or altered iris patterns. The visual of it was pretty cool, so I figured I'd throw what little I could gather into this email. And then there's uh, we, we get at least one image of, yep, here's, uh, here's an eyeball that has the, the singular pupil in the middle, but then it seems to be orbited by what, three different additional pupils that kind of look like commas, uh, like they have little Mm. tails spiraling out from them. Kind of spiral galaxy shaped. Yeah. Christopher says, love the show. Looking forward to the next episode. Best, Christopher. Mm. I also know absolutely nothing about the show, but I looked it up. It appears to be about a guy with blonde hair who has cat whiskers. And I'm sure the Naruto fans out there are screaming at their phones hearing three people. Rob, I assume you know nothing as well. I do not know um, Naruto. Uh, I recognize it. I've seen, you know, images from it. But I, I should take a look. It's, I know people love it, and I'm especially interested in finding anything that I can. We could watch as a family that uh, you know that's creative and cool. Because uh, 
Uh, you know, we've enjoyed some animated series. We've tried some animated series that turned out to be just a little too too much for a nine or ten year old to watch. Uh-huh. Um, Full Full Metal Alchemist, it turns out, is um, is 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 not uh, necessarily for nine and ten year olds, or at least not for my nine and ten year olds. But but was great from what I watched of it. I look forward to continuing it when he's ready for it. Uh, so I don't know. I'll look into it. Uh, parents out there, if you have opinions on any of this, recommendations, let me know. I think at least once per episode from now on, you and I should end up talking about a an anime show with a devoted fan base that neither of us have seen. <laughs> I mean, there there are plenty of them. But I will say, I will drive home again. What I watched of Full Metal Alchemist, the newer series, was pretty incredible. Just It was just a little... A little too dark in places uh, for for my son to keep watching it, um, and uh, but but also just very inventive and, and very creative. All right, you want to do some weird house cinema email? Yeah, let's do. What do we have? What's what's rising to the surface here? Uh, let's see. We got messages from Peter and Grace here. Take your pick. All right. Um, yeah, I, I can jump in with one here. All right, this one comes to us from Grace. Grace says, Hi, Rob and Joe. I love Stuff to Blow Your Mind and Weird House Cinema. Episodes have become my go-to. Whenever I have some downtime, I go back to old episodes and listen over and over again. Speaking of old episodes, my partner and I recently watched Dr. X and then re-listened to the episode, I Have a Couple of Thoughts. All right, so and then we have bullet points. Uh, Thought number one. I think Dr. Wells' shoes on the radiator that you described as boiling are actually covered in mud. I think Wells put them on the radiator because they are wet and muddy, showing he has recently been outside and therefore wasn't in the lab, so could have killed the scrub woman. Uh-oh, this is one of those that's getting into the details of something I haven't watched in a long time, so I don't remember what this is. I do remember, I think I was the one who was commenting about what was up with those boots. They were like melting on the radiator. Um, okay. But... It it sounds like yeah I, I I buy this this was probably more mundane than I gave it credit I was just like probably weirded out by everything else in the movie and I was like what and now boots are melting the next note though is about something I remember from Doctor X which is the fact that it's sort of in color it's a very early mm, attempt yes. at creating color films it's not really full Technicolor like we're used to now it was a kind of half in color. Yeah, they write, uh, the red and green lens leading to orange and green tints throughout the movie are so interesting to watch. I also thought it was fitting that the beach scene is the most realistic looking in terms of color, perhaps because it had the most light. Not sure mechanically why the colors would look more natural here. While in the dark and lab heavy scenes, the eerie effect is so much stronger. Agree. And then here's the third. Lee Tracy is much stoogier than I was expecting. <laughs> he obviously is part of the overall fast-talking newspaper man trope, but, but is much less smooth and less good at it than Cary Grant in His Girl Friday, for example. Uh, Got to agree with that. Remember, Lee Tracy is the leading man in this movie. He's like the guy who, you know, he's doing the whole investigation. He falls in love and all that. But he's also just this... I don't know. He, he he doesn't fit the mold of like what kind of actor would have been cast in this role later on. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember him standing out. Now, now, nothing stands out as much as the synthetic flesh, though. Uh, Doctor X is where we get synthetic flesh, and uh, uh, that's that's what. Okay, I, I do think about about this film from time to time, especially when I'm when I'm thinking about oh, what are some old films we could watch for Weird House? And I think back to Doctor X, and I'm like, we need something something else like Doctor X. Yeah. 
Yeah, anyway, uh, Grace finishes out by saying, I really just wanted to say that I've been loving the Weird House Cinema episodes and that watching Dr. X was awesome, especially with the background information from your episode. Thanks for so much amazing content. All the best, Grace. Thank you, Grace. Okay, I'm going to do this message from Peter. Peter says, hi, really enjoyed your episode on Next of Kin. Remember, this is the uh, the Australian horror movie we did a couple weeks back now. While I can't share a lot of official detail about it, I do remember it from 1982. The film did not get a cinema release at the time, or at any time as far as I can tell, but appeared on home video at the end of that year. So until the recent local Blu-ray release... Oh, that's kind of a tongue twister. Recent Mm -hmm. local Blu-ray release, it wasn't seen in widescreen nor heard in at least stereo. I remember as an undergraduate student in Brisbane waiting for a release that didn't come. The image of the girl with the ball outside the mansion made the cover of the industry-glossy Cinema Papers, which had run a multi-page feature on the film's production. A new Australian gothic horror that looks like that cover art? I'm in! And then it was a 4x3 of gluey VHS with compressed mono sound. Oh, that's a tragedy. Mm. Uh, Peter goes on. When a film doesn't appear when and where it should, there are usually reasons unrelated to the film itself, like licensing or contracts. And I have no idea what prevented this one from joining what was still being called the Australian film renaissance. Unlike a lot of local indies, it didn't make it into the schedules of the then well-supported arthouse cinemas, and I never noticed it showing on late-night TV. Now it sits on the shelves at retailers beside the other discounted titles, waiting for someone to take a chance on the interesting cover art, Girl, Ball, Mansion. I remember that I kept wanting it to lift off into something more like a Hammer movie and thought little of it until the Blu-ray restoration, which really brings it to life and enhances all those non- or anti-genre decisions you mentioned. Maybe now it could get a look-in on a big-screen venue. Mayhap. Peter. Yeah, interesting. Now, the, the poster that, that Peter mentions the with the ball girl and mansion, yeah, this is one of, if you start looking around for, like, next of kin, uh, poster and make sure you put in 1982. Otherwise, you're only getting Patrick Swayze. Uh, you'll you'll see this one. There's yeah, there's one where it's the, the the creepy little girl ball next to her mansion behind her. There's also um, a variant that uh, I was seeing a lot of places where you have mansion, red clouds, and then like zombie hand coming down from the cl- clouds, like horrible. Yeah, which it doesn't. I mean, it. it I guess it's not completely. Um, in it, uh, giving the wrong impression of what the movie is, but it's oh. it's, it's weird. I, I mean, I, I like it okay, but it it ultimately feels like it's not a poster for this movie. I'm going to challenge you. I think it gives completely the wrong impression. I think it's ugly as heck. <laughs> I, I hate that main poster with the hand coming out of the sky. I really like the the poster. I don't know what uh, did I say poster? I guess it's cover art. I really mm-hmm. like the poster that's just the sugar cube pyramid. I think yeah. that is very a very interesting image. It does communicate the essence of the film well. Uh, it that that's what it should be. Yeah, that one that one is the best. That's also the one that's on the um, the album cover for the Klaus Schultz um, uh, soundtrack. Uh, it absolutely gives you the right uh, the right taste of what's to come. Yeah, but anyway, to come back to uh, to Peter's message, I completely agree. It, it, it's such a shame when a movie that looks this good only got a release on some horrible medium. You know, it was only released in a bad transfer onto VHS or something. Yeah. But, you know, greedily for modern uh, film fans, it, 
I mean, it is kind of nice when this sort of thing happens. I mean, it's it, I, you know, where there's a, a film that you, know, you, you haven't heard of, and suddenly it, it has been brought back uh, into the limelight to some extent, and it's really good, and it's so, or it or it has some creative ideas in it. So it's it's uh, you know, especially if if you're you know like me, and you're perhaps more interested in older films than you are in the new ones. It's like you can you can wait on new releases from both the future and the past. Yes, <laughs> I totally agree. All right, we're going to go ahead and close up the mailbag there, but we'll be back. More listener mails on Mondays. Uh, we have short form artifact or monster fact episodes on Wednesdays, core episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind on Tuesday and Thursday. And then on Fridays, we set most of the serious uh, matters aside and we just talk about a strange film. And then we have a little rerun on the weekend. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other to suggest a topic for the future or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.